Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. You look okay. I am. Thank you. Oh my gosh. We've been trying to do this, I think for two years since I started this a B series podcast, this interview with two of my all-time favorite people, Tyrone and Laura Burrell. We've known you guys for years and mostly because you're both the founders of the Sons Ministry. So S-O-N-S meaning save our neighborhood and streets. And I want to talk about that uh, during our presentation, but I also want to say, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for agreeing to do this interview, this B-Series interview. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. So it's so amazing. So it's interesting because I always find with couples, and you've been married for 35 years, by the way, Brian and I will be married 35 years this year too. So I just, I love that so much that there's just no way that you would be able to do what you could do without your significant other. And trust me, I understand. I know with my husband, Brian, it's the same situation, you know, and, and him being a lawyer for many years and me supporting him through that. And then later years, him supporting me through my companies, the Paul Mitchell schools and salons and coaching business and different things. And so I know I would not be where I am today. And so I do want to talk about that facet as well too, but I also want to introduce you to Tyrone and Laura Burrell. Tyrone uh, was a firefighter in Port Huron, Michigan for eight years. He was also a staff aide at St. Clair County Juvenile Detention Center and also an aide for the St. Clair County Community Mental Health. And he's held also other positions uh, as well. And so I think that really set you up for success, Tyrone. And I, and I want to hear a little bit about that as well, too. But also that you've received awards and commendations. I got to list these because I can probably guarantee it that it's probably for both of them, for both Laura and Tyrone, because without Laura, you wouldn't have these awards and vice versa. But it's the Thomas Melms Chief Professional Officer Award by United Way, the State of Michigan Mentor of the Year, the Wilfred C. Malloy, uh, Malloy Award, which is the Port Huron Sports Hall of Fame, and then the Certificate of Ordination, the Michigan African American Pioneer Award, the Certificate of Recognition by the Blue Water Habitat of Humanity, the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Spirit of Community Award, and then the Spirit of Port Huron Brotherhood Award, Certificate of Appreciation for Outstanding Service to the Community, NAACP, and the Man of the Year Award. And, and I'm assuming you got the Woman of the Year Award too, right? <laughs> hey, Laura. <laughs> Behind every good man is a good woman. <laughs> Amen. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I can guarantee, Tyrone, that you probably didn't set out to win all those awards because I know you. You're a very humble man and you just do what you have to do. And I believe that you probably bloomed wherever you've been planted. I think I'm going to call this, I never know when I'm going to call these B-series podcasts until I start talking and getting into the conversation. And I keep the conversation so raw always because I just want it to be like a conversation that we're having, you know, over a cup of coffee. And I feel like I need to call this be disciplined 
And I'm going to tell you why, because it's something that I'm really working on in a process. And I was talking to my husband, Brian, yesterday, because we do family meetings. It's actually, uh, we actually do uh, notes. I take notes and we go over the past weeks, uh, just he and I, uh, we go over, you know, our notes. We start with prayer and then, you know, how are we doing communicating a scale of one to 10? What can I do more of? What can I do less of, you know, being super coachable. And I was telling him, I'm like, you know, I know you go to a Bible study every week, but I notice that when you get up in the morning, you're not like, you know, um, diving into the word. And he's like, yeah, I want to get back to that. Cause he did that for years. He led by example to our family. And he said, I want to get back to that. I need to be more disciplined. And I'm like, oh yeah. Second Timothy one, seven, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and discipline. Right. And so I'm like, man, sometimes discipline can sound so scary, but Talk a little bit about discipline, Tyrone, you first, like, how do you maintain that discipline? Because I see you as extremely disciplined. There's no way you could run a nonprofit. You know, I run for profits. It's a lot easier than a nonprofit, you know, because you're trying to get people to work for free and I pay people. So it's a lot easier for me to, to lead than it is for you to lead. And so I'm certain that your discipline habits have been able to help you to become successful. But talk a little bit about that and you know how you maintain that. My dad, who was a career Air Force guy, would when we would take out the trash and it would kind of surprise him, he says, oh, I see you're using your self-employed initiative. <clears throat> <laughs> hey, <clears throat> okay, I took the trash out. But uh, he was a hard worker and um, overcame so many societal uh, opposition things. Um, and, uh, you know, I just have to admire him for his faithfulness. And, um, you know, my mom's taking care of the house in a way that, um, man, I would have kids, friends come over and they're like, wow, you live here. And, you know, mom just took care of stuff. Dad was faithful and, uh, uh, you know, I guess the discipline was instilled in us and, um, you know, and we don't serve God and, and try to prove to him that, you know, we're all this because we can do this or that. It's more out of Thanksgiving. You know, he gave us these bodies, these minds, um, and to whom much is given, much is required. Mm. So as much as, um, um, you know, there's good things in life, we know it all comes from our Heavenly Father, and we're to be stewards of it. And I think that's the only thing that, um, you know, we learned as a family is to take care of the things that you have. And um, I've always loved to read. No one, a teacher... Teachers didn't have to pester me to study. I, I love to read. I continue loving to read. And that helps me, you know, when managing people and leading people to keep yourself, as you're well aware of, you know, you have to spend time developing yourself. And, you know, that takes a discipline. I can tell when I say, haven't been in the word like I need to be in the word or haven't been reading, say, a, a Stephen Covey's. Uh, seven Habits of uh, Effective People or Jim Collins, Good to Great. So I love to read. 
those are the disciplined things that kind of get me at my core. And I think if you can, you know, have those values, qualities at the core of your being and, um, you know, understand, say I'm talking Covey now, <laughs> understand yeah. that, you know, you can, you need to be proactive if you're, if you're going to see results, you know, how to build a team, how to, um, um, you know, uh, uh, maintain those disciplines, not only for yourself, but to know that it is for your team and it is for the next generation coming up. If we're going to leave anything lasting, uh, it's got to be, you know, it's going to take discipline to, um, to, uh, to really build, uh, to be sustainable. And so, Hey, it's a part of my, it's part of thankfulness, you know? Um, mm. yeah. Wow. It's part of your thankfulness. I think you just hit the nail on the head. It's part of your thankfulness. You know, like I was saying to Brian last night and, you know, there was a time when I wasn't, you know, constantly in his word or constantly in prayer. And, and uh, you're right. It was like something was empty inside and just things weren't quite right. And, you know, I felt like I was more reactive, like you were saying, than proactive. And reactive is not good for anybody, you know, and so much anger outbursts would happen, control issues, um, you know, sin that was just permeating. And it's not like, it's not like you read the Bible and all of a sudden no sin happens. That's not true. You know, it's still going to happen. You know, you're still going to, you know, fall. But I love that you're saying that it's part of your thankfulness. And I can't wait to get up in the morning and just see what he wants to tell me. Like, yeah, what do you yeah. want to tell me today? It's, it's like so exciting. It's like unwrapping a present every morning. And it's like, oh, yes, that's what you wanted to show me today. This is so cool. And then to be able to meditate that on my walk and, you know, having that constant, consistent uh, discipline habits every day uh, so that you can infiltrate, you know, and be able to be effective, right? And so not just efficient, but effective. So um, Laura, how about you? How do you maintain your discipline? Because to be an administrative, like that's not me. I have, I joke about this, but it's a true story. I literally have three or four assistants that work for me because I cannot handle any administrative tasks. I'm such a visionary. All I want to do is just look out into the horizon and think about what's next. What can we do next? You know? And so can you talk a little bit, how do you maintain that and to be able to be so successful with what you do? Well, and if I'm going to be keeping it 100, I don't know if I can really say that I'm as disciplined as I need to be. Um, um, but you really, um, you know, hit a good point though, because Tyrone is a huge visionary and he probably need, you know, four or five assistants to help him in that, you know? So, you know, it's been tough at times in that because being that administrator and I see the importance of that, but him being a visionary and, you know, he's drawn in that direction it was it was a constant battle. Do you need an assistant? You need this. You need that, and that. But he was just like he would make this um, analogy that it's like we're in this boat. It has a hole in it, and he's just trying to keep the water out. You know, you think about trying to go after kids, whether they be at risk or whether they just be adrift. And you know, we see the need of trying to you know help you know save uh you know some kids from a bad decision or that come alongside families that you know, maybe don't have the resources or knowledge of something. And it's like, wow, we can be a piece of that puzzle to help the family in that. And, and so his heart is, is, is bent on 
helping that individual where I'm like, well, but the infrastructure, you know, because whether or not we are able to be professional, you know, for the donor base, for, you know, all these other components that help support us even being able to do ministry, you know, they are just as vital and important. And uh, so, yeah, so sometimes I think I have been that one that, you know, can sometimes just be more um, agitated and that, and that's just my constant prayer that, you know, I've, I've been around different women groups and conferences and, and I would go and I would just admire women who have come through trying times where you know, one lady in particular was saying she was married to an alcoholic, but she served him as unto the Lord. And uh, and he ended up passing away and she remarried a minister who was just like a real mighty man of God. And I was like, wow, she came to that situation. And instead of being embittered, you know, I got that sense while she came through smelling sweet as a rose. And I said, Lord, I want to do that. You know, I know that things haven't always been, you know, perfect for us and that, but because I know my husband's heart, you know, we may not agree on how to do a thing, but we're always 100% in agreement on who we're doing it for and what that end desire is, you know, to be found pleasing in God's sight. So, so the discipline for me, girl, is like a daily ongoing journey, you know, that I'm so grateful that my heavenly father is like a day to the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. He's like, girl, you just still on that first day. Just keep on coming, you know. And so for that, I'm just so grateful. Yeah. You know, Tina, I would I I would also say since you did frame that question a little bit of around our work in the ministry, that um, you know, one thought that the Lord's given me is like He brings people to us. So yeah, you know, if we need help in a certain area. I mean, we just need to recognize who he brings to us. And um, um, we have volunteers that come alongside and we have one now, uh, Terry Hall, she's doing some consulting with us and really, um, you know, adding administrative capacity to us. And, uh, you know, we'll invite others to speak to our, our, uh, our team. And so I think that goes hand in hand with you know, the reading, the literature that we, we try to expose ourselves to, but even relationships with people, they add to our strength. I shared with the staff at our State of the Sons annual event that, um, that uh, you know, this is what I see for us as moving forward. We've got the heart. Mm. Moses had the heart to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. But his father-in-law Jethro said, you're not gonna make it. You're anointed, you're called to do that, but how you're administrating the people, it ain't gonna work. You're talking to every person, you're dealing with every problem, that's gonna kill you. You need to yeah. appoint others. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, um, in wow. the book of Acts, the, the uh, apostles were faced with a problem that the Hellenistic or Grecian widows weren't getting proper attention as they were all kind of living together. And, and uh, you know, and uh, he said, appoint some men to watch over this business. Let them be of good report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. So you mean you can be full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost and be a dummy? Yeah, 
So you got to add, you got to add stuff to the mix to, uh, to make the cake really taste good. So spiritual strength at the core, your character, your values, but then learn how to do things. You know, you know, you're a business lady, um, you know, things have got to be in order. Right. And, uh, and the scripture encourages us to, to not to be slothful in business. So diligence is no choice. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. You said that yeah, you've got to appoint others. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head in order to be disciplined. The only way you could follow through with discipline and have fun with it is by appointing others to the things that carry your weaknesses. You know, just like you're talking with Moses, it's just such an incredible leadership story. And I heard a really great quote, actually, my son was telling me that Elon Musk said that he's been, you know, talking quite a bit lately. Of course, he's the richest man in the world right now. And uh, I always say right now, because you never know, you know, who's going to be the richest next year. <laughs> but he said that being an entrepreneur, he said, is like staring into the abyss and chewing on glass. <laughs> wow. And he's like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, don't do it, is basically what he says. But, and they asked him, well, why did you have to? Why are you doing it? And he's because I cannot not do it. And so he's like into his strength zone. And I feel like Tyrone, you're in your strength zone. And Laura, you're in your strength zone. And you're doing what God purposed you to do, right? And so let's talk about that because let's. I want to talk about Save Our Neighborhood and Streets, like why you developed this nonprofit and what it's like leading that. Because I bet you, you have a whole list. You could probably write a whole book on everything not to do of running a nonprofit. I mean, you know, like I said, I run a for-profit, so it's a lot easier than a nonprofit because people get paid working for me, whereas you're getting people to work for free. So you obviously have a lot of leadership qualities, both of you. And so let's talk through that process. Why did you start Sons first and foremost? Well, um, let me say this though. We pay people too, you know. Of course. <laughs> Yes, you have people on your team, but I know you have volunteers too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have yeah. any volunteers. <laughs> well, I think that, um, you know, of course you go back to 1992 when there's a lot of gang banging, drug dealing in Port Huron. And uh, the Lord uh, just gave me the impression I was coming off a shift at the fire department mm. and, um, you know, go up to Port Huron High School. And I'm like, what you mean? I don't speak the language. I'm not down with them. I mean, you know, there's gangster rap and, and kids were just cold and, uh, you know, um, but the impression the Lord gave me was everybody understands the language of love. So if you can act out of that thing, which is at your core, then was a perfect love cast out fear. Yeah. So, so cool. um, I went up to the high school, struck up a relationship over some months with about six, seven boys. Most of them in common had, they'd been in a little trouble. They didn't have a dad. Uh, I asked them what they uh, would like to see happen <clears throat> in their lives. And they said, they'd like to make the Porter and High School basketball team. I said, well, stay out of trouble, get your grades up and uh, give it your best shot. The day they had their practice, I came and, and, and to check them out. And each one of them had got cut first day. 
And I told him, <clears throat> you know, I'll get you guys a team and uh, get you guys a league. Um, after thinking about that, I'm like, I don't have the money for jerseys and gym usage and <clears throat> trophies and referees. So a friend of mine, uh, Dave O'Connor at MBD Bank, he said, Tyrone, you should start a, a nonprofit, give some letters to some businesses and see what happens. And that night, um, I kind of slept on it and the name Sons came to me. I mean, this is all like, just like, bam. <clears throat> oh, Holy Spirit. So this isn't my thing. And I think that's a core that, you know, you remember that uh, this is the Lord's thing and we're just partnering with him. Yeah. So the name Sons came, Save Our Neighborhoods and Street, an acronym for the acronym. And um, <clears throat> verses, Malachi 4.6, the whole, um, um, unless I turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children's to the fathers, the earth will be smitten with a curse. Meaning, even as in my reading, that, you know, the whole weight of society ills, whether it's uh, teen pregnancy, um, suicide, um, some, so many violence, the maladies in youth can be tied to that absent father. <clears throat> and, uh, and that scripture was the last scripture of the Old Testament. Then there were 400 years of silence before John the Baptist and Jesus came on the scene. So I said, that must have been critically important for God to use that verse as the last prophetic word and the book was closed. Wow. So we really have to consider that. And uh, like I say, sociologists, economists, um, psychologists do tie that absent father. So then there was also Romans 8, 19 that talks about the whole creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. So that the same thing, you know, men have got to be in this place where they are representing the heart of the father. And of course, Jesus did that to the zenith of what it could have been done. So we need to have men that are in relationship with God who can, um, come alongside the children, the young people. So that was the core of Sons, starting with that basketball league, 55 kids, and uh, wanting to be able to say that if any of our kids ended up in prison, they won't have the excuse to say nobody reached out to them. So it was a tough road to hold. Um, we got men involved. I remember uh, Lonnie Nichols was a coach and he said, uh, and Lonnie was a church raised in the church, but he said, Tyrone, this is what I've been waiting for, a way to connect with young people and uh, young young men. So, um, you know, we've gone on. And after that first year, we had kids in prison. It was that tough. But we go visit them and, uh, you know, continue to share the love of God with them. Years later, I would see some of them come out of prison and, and they're all out now. And they'll see me walking down the street or at a ball game or somewhere. And there's this twinkle in the eye because they knew we were there for them. And, and that's, that's the important thing. You know, 28 years later, we're, we're even at the other end of the spectrum where we say we don't want any young person who had the potential to be a hairstylist, 
a lawyer, uh, a teacher to say, I couldn't accomplish that because nobody showed us the way. Hence our talented 10th leadership and development program. So, you know, we've got programs that run the, the, um, that give continuity. You know, a kid can get in at first grade with our dream camp, um, go on, participate in our basketball and football, um, sister circle and manhood mentoring the talented 10th. Um, and just, it's a family. So I don't know if I step to your question, but that's yeah. a little bit about sons where, you know, so our heart. Like why you started it. And, and Laura, I'd love to hear you. Did you, were you right on board in the beginning or were you like, what are you doing now? You know, yeah, exactly. You know, um, and like I had mentioned before, uh, prior to Tyron and I getting married and that I had uh, a relationship with the Lord because of just how I was raised and the background that I had come out of. And I was, you know, loved the Lord and, you know, baptized early as nine years old, would always sing in the choir and that. But as a teenager, had some traumatic things happen that I saw my dad go through and that. And it was just like a switch. And I just went wayward, you know. But at age 23, came back and it was like the Holy Spirit was like, you need to go to Bible study. And I'm like, why? I already go to church. I mean, I felt like just going to church was enough. You know, I sang in the choir. I did all these things, but I had no clue that there was something of a relationship that he wanted to have with me, you know? So through that Bible study for four months was like, that's where I learned that, wow, all these things about life are in the Bible. And so that just set my life on a whole different thing. And so I just thought, wow, the things that God had brought me out of I'm like, you must want to do something big, you know? So in meeting Tyrone and he had come down and I was singing with a group called Perfect Peace. And we were doing like this concert outdoor cast corridor uh, in Detroit. And, um, and I remember seeing him and it was like, ooh, wait, you know, <laughs> very handsome young man. But I just had to set that aside. And, uh, and he eventually invited our group up to Port Huron. And I'm like, where is that, you know? And, uh, and so that journey began. So, so I always knew though, as far as that element of ministry that my life was supposed to be spent serving the Lord, whatever that looked like. So when this opportunity came up for Tyrone, because he was as a teenager, you know, licensed, ordained minister, you know, it's like, what, you know, he used to give out tracks in middle school. I wasn't that girl. I came along later from the other side of the track, you know? But um, and had prayed for God to send me someone, though, who was so strong in their faith that they wouldn't be intimidated by my relationship with the Lord. You know, I couldn't be with somebody if they were saying, oh, you going to church again or you. So but this dude was on a whole nother trajectory, you know. But uh, so when this all came about, it was no surprise. It was just, you know, we had gone through marriage counseling and, and the, the choice was when we start our family, I would leave my career. At the time, I was making more money than him. That in itself was huge, you know, because I'm like, I'm up here in this town. I don't know anybody. I'm walking away from my job. You know, things that I felt that I identified with. Walking away from the ministry because we were in the Detroit area and I was with Perfect Peace for six years. And wow. just everything just flipped upside down, you know. But 
when Tyrone had this opportunity presented to him, there was a, a businessman in the community who had been watching him. And he was like, I see what you've been doing with these kids on a part-time basis. I'm just curious, if you were able to do this full-time, what could you develop it into? So he approached Tyrone um, you know, with an offer that he would, he would pay his salary that he was making at the fire department and match his benefits for two years. And he said, so, and I just want to see if you can just get this thing going, you know, so, so that was a blessing in itself. And he approached uh -huh. me and said, you know, take him and get him some sports coats and some khakis and that, because before the fire department, he was a UPS driver. So he was in a, in a uniform with UPS, then with the fire department. So he's like, he needs some clothes to be able to go out and meet the community. So even this gentleman even offered to suit him up, you know, it was just a phenomenal thing how God made that happen. Um, but I have to say, we did have a really bad uh, accident just before he was leaving the fire department. He was just under tenure too. I think it was like nine and three quarters. It was like, can you at least wait, you know, to get all that, at least that little bit of pension. But girl, I guess he felt like, well, the Lord calls, I'm going, you know. And uh, we just had the two young ones at the time. And uh, so, um, but no, no, we had three because that was in 98. We started on Sons in 92. So this was in 1998 when he left the fire department. So we had three young children. And so we had this bad accident trying to go over to see my mom. And it was like a whiteout. And it was the month of February. Mm -hmm. And uh, girl, as we were coming through this accident, it was just ice on the highway. It looked like the rapture because people on the other side of that whiteout were out of their cars. They were all spun in different directions. And we literally were on the news because our car was just sliding and we hit someone, someone hit the back of us. And I looked at Tyrone and I said, I know you don't think you're going to be leaving your job now, you know, because <laughs> we got all this stuff. Or he just looked at me like, whatever, you know, but hence here we are, you know, and the Lord has just always been faithful. He just always been faithful, you know, so it was scary, but it was a leap of faith that we had to take. Yeah, what a story. That is so crazy. You know, it's it's interesting, you know, Tyrone, the all of the jobs that you've had, they're all disciplined jobs. Like someone without discipline could not even hold those jobs. And and I really feel like that opportunity that was presented to you, you know, and I love this quote because I believe it's a John Wooden quote, and it's when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. Yeah. Wow. You were already prepared. Like you you were already in that discipline mode and this is why sons is still still running i mean my goodness you know businesses and i'm assuming nonprofits the same it's a ridiculous number from 90 to 99 percent fail and but yours hasn't and so what success do you attribute that to that it hasn't failed tyrone and and also let's talk a little bit about, you know, for people who are listening that are thinking, man, I would love to have that opportunity. And I've had people uh, come to me in my company, like, I want to be a director. And it's like, you know what, when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. So just prepare yourself, act as if you already are that director, act as if you're already that position, you know, what's holding you back from acting as if. And so here you are, you know, founders of this son's ministry, but if you didn't prepare yourself before that, there would have been no opportunity. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, I think um, particularly when you look at ministry, um, you know, it's got to be something that springs from your heart, uh, something that the Lord puts in you. Um, 
and um, you recognize a need. I think you have to recognize a need. And you know, you had um, you know kind of asked me about adversity, and uh, when I look back with the foundation that I had, um, you know, Jesus has always been attractive to me and someone I admired, you know, and, and that's one of the reasons why I think we have to invest in our children so young because, you know, in some ways our ears are open, you know, the Lord said, unless you become like a little child, you know, you can't even, you can't inherit the kingdom. And you look at the, the little children that came to Jesus and he blessed them. Mm -hmm. I think, um, if we can expose children to Jesus, um, man, there will be a natural attraction. And as I look, you know, um, I can't remember not loving Jesus as much as when I've heard him, you know, my mom taking me to Sunday school, dad reading the Bible. Um, so that has made all the difference in my life. And so when I look at young people, and know that the peer pressure, the obstacles they face now, which maybe on another scale is is so much higher than the things that we face growing up. Right. Um, that um, kids need Christ more than ever. They need the foundation of wisdom. I encourage kids. You know, read the Proverbs. There's 31 of them. Read one every day. The Lord will infuse you with stuff that will take you above the fray. Um, I remember being in uh, playing football at uh, the high school, and a Christian friend of mine came up to me and said, "Tyrone, I don't know. I don't see how you do it, man. You know, kids are cussing, and you know, having all kind of different." worldly attitudes and whatnot. And how can you be in the midst of that? I said, dude, I got no pressure. I said, there is more of an internal pressure, if you will, positive pressure. You know, when you're in the fire department, you have your positive pressure mask. And so if you're a scuba diver, you got this, this suit that you have that the pressure forcing to the outside is greater than the pressure coming inward to you. So as long as you have that, you're good. I said, man, it's just a joy serving the Lord. And, you know, I was on the basketball team and my friends, Tyrone, we know you getting some on the side. I said, no, I'm, I'm saving myself for marriage. You know, I'm following the Lord. Uh, yeah. Tyrone, you want to hit this? We had the probably dope smokingest team at high school history, the bus, and they say, Tyrone, you want to hit this? I said, let me think about that. <laughs> Always being polite. That's yeah. godly. I said, hmm, I don't think so. I have Jesus Christ and he's all my joy. So I love that. So they'd they'd yeah. run away from me. Yeah. And uh, but that was because at some point, you know, um, that thing, the things I heard about Jesus Christ and my commitment to him, um, you know, took the pressure off, you know, I'm serving the Lord, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Joseph back in, uh, in the old Testament, you know, when he was, uh, 
you know, tempted by Potiphar's wife. He says, how can I do this grievous thing against God? So, you yeah. know, the Bible says uh, the big, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Wow. And so, um, so all that going, how does that, what does that have to do with sons? It's because I know how the Lord took me through all adversity, knowing he was with me. That's what kids need. That's what kids, that's what we all need. Yeah. But if you can get to know the Lord Jesus Christ, your sick, the savior and have a personal relationship knowing he's with you through every situation, then peer pressure doesn't mean what isn't, doesn't have the power to, to destroy you. And, uh, and you can always know that the Lord is your shepherd and he's leading you and guiding you seek first the kingdom of God. And this is the one true um, everlasting uh, truth that's going to be here for generations and generations when we're gone. So we want to put this stuff in the earth uh, again, yeah. lest the earth be smitten with the curse. And so, so I've enjoyed this adventure. Um, you know, during the pandemic, we've been able to do a lot of Bible study with our staff and volunteers. And that's been great to see that they are even more now partaking of the richness of the word of God, uh, rightly divided. And I say rightly divided because we are in, a, in an age where folks are taking scriptures that uh, in, in, in out of context and making a Jesus who didn't go to the cross. I mean, this is a lot of crazy stuff out here. And now even more than ever, not only to be able to um, share the word of God, but really demonstrate, you know, that that true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ for who he really is. And uh, so that's, that's all critical. Yeah. How did it affect uh, the kids and the families, the Black Lives Matter? And, and how did you guys navigate that? And Tyrone, did you notice that were people coming to you and asking you questions and how to navigate through this? Well, I'll, I'll say... Um, First, that, you know, when we look at what Sons delivers to kids on an ongoing basis, um, you know, we make it a point to share with our kids um, history. You know, we'll talk about, um, you know, Goodman Cheney Schwerner in the 1960s, the, the two uh white men and one black man who were killed, you know, as they uh, were in Mississippi um, participating in some civil rights. We'll talk about the Freedom Riders. We'll talk about um, those African-Americans who have had uh, significant contributions to society. We will do skits at, um, you know, the Martin Luther King Day celebration. And, and not only during Black History Month, but throughout, it's just been part of the talent, the 10th part of when I would go into schools and share with kids um, about the rich history and contributions of African-Americans. So it's just been a part of us. Um, and, um, you know, with the events that happened this past year, I understand 
the uh, the the uh, call for justice, yes. the call for changes in policy, and really the examination. I think it was a wake up call for many who might be in denial of of our history in this country and how you know the role that economics played in keeping uh, uh, folks enslaved. And, uh, and, and then even come into how we uh, look at things. You know, it used to be, you know, you say slaves, but no, they were people who were enslaved, you know? So beginning to humanize um, uh, a people in society who remember um, were declared three-fifths of a person and to see how that um, has played down throughout the years and looking back that um, all of this blatant injustice, there's people still living. I mean, there's people who just a few generations away, you know, took the brunt of, uh, of, uh, of injustice um, and that it's a real thing. Um, I, I admire so much my dad, you know, again, you had questioned me about adversity and I can listen to him. And I had, I'm so pleased I was able to record a lot of his stories mm. of uh, the prejudice that he went through. And, uh, and actually there's a story that, um, that, you know, I was a quarterback just like your son. Yeah at the same school as a freshman, I was the quarterback. And uh, by my uh, sophomore year, I had a friend, Eric Schumann. Boy, he could throw that ball. And so Eric uh, took the role of quarterback and I went to wide receiver and he would hit me with some 80 yard bombs. It was all good. And uh, at some point in time, um, Eric, got on into some, uh, went to another school. Mm. And by, uh, uh, so the opportunity came up for me to, uh, you know, I might as well go back out for quarterback, you know. And uh, um, come the time where we had the beginning of the year scrimmage before the first game, I was expected to get my reps. And uh, I didn't get any reps. Mm. Um, they kept me at defensive back, and uh, and I went through the year, my senior year, kind of like in a little bit of a daze because there's opportunity that, you know, like say I was the number one quarterback as a freshman. Uh, they had the we had the annual the banquet after the football season, and by the way, we were that famous team that went zero and one and seventeen over my last two years, you know. But they had the banquet, and a friend of mine, Michonne Nixon, our best player, running back, he didn't get an award. They gave me the award for sportsmanship, and I went home and I told my dad, I said, Dad, you know what? I wouldn't have accepted that award if I knew Michonne wasn't going to get an award. Mm -hmm. And um, the next day I came home, and I came to my living room in the our head football coach was in my living room with my dad. So apparently my dad had went to the school, 
and kind of stood up for Michonne because Michonne had, didn't have a dad and, you know, was a neighborhood kid. And so my dad said, uh, son, while you were on this football team, did you ever experience some prejudice? And I told him that story about the quarterback situation, which I didn't get an opportunity. And a tear went down his eye. It's the first time I seen my dad cry. And he said, wow, I went through so much hoping that my children wouldn't have to go through something like this. Oh, I love this story. So as we start to close out, I would love to hear like both of your favorite stories as far as lives change um, at uh, Sons. You know, maybe you're thinking of someone um, or something that happened. Maybe it's someone that works with you or maybe it's a family that was touched. But I'd love to hear kind of your favorite stories and and how could people get involved with Sons to be able to help this ministry as well too. So Laura, let's start with you. I'm glad you started with me, me and Tyrone. We tend to have one of the same stories, you know, even though there's like hundreds of them, but I think this one is uh, most noteworthy to me because it involved my personal family. And um, when Troy was uh, in middle school and uh, was part of the Suns Basketball League and flag football and everything, but there was a friend of his who was also uh, on the Basketball League with Suns. And I mean, this kid was bad news, you know. Um, and, you know, I mean, to, you know, to his credit, though, I mean, he just came from a really, you know, difficult background, you know, and, you know, one of his parents was imprisoned and the other one was, you know, caught up in, in the drug, the street element and whatnot, and, that, and he was kind of dumped on other family members and so on it goes. So, yeah, so he's got this humongous chip on his shoulder He's hard, you know, because I guess, you know, you just kind of put up those walls to protect your heart, unbeknownst to him being a kid, you know. And so he was just angry and um, vile mouth and that sort of thing. And of all people, Troy befriends this kid. And I'm like, no, you know, like, no, you know. And, uh, and it was just, and he was just relentless. And so like how Tyrone was sharing about how he wouldn't have accepted his award if he didn't know that his other teammate hadn't received something. That's how Troy was with this guy. You know, I mean, to the point where, you know, the guy went out for the basketball team, you know, um, and uh, he got cut. Troy was supposed to have been like, like the star, you know, point guard, you know, this senior year, whatever. Well, if he's not playing, I'm not playing. What? I mean, there's this thing of loyalty, I guess, you know, and that, that you just feel, you know, that, it's like, but but even, but this was years later. So let me just back up. So as they were in middle school, and like I said, the kids, you know, we have, you know, like sons, you know, being this family, we have kids that would, um, you know, their parents, grandparents would come to the little games at the Leonard Center. And it got to the point where, um, you know, he would be saying things that was just totally inappropriate in that environment. So, um, and I mean, he, he would be doing things against his own teammates. Oh, he's got a picture of them. <laughs> Right there with the two pop buffs, you know. Wow. And that ad was showing that Tyrone was a street savior at the time. That's really cool. But um, and uh, yeah, you know, so 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 we go through this girl, and the and and you know, the young man knew that Mama B ain't feeling him, you know. It was just because I was just really strict 
in the sense of how I'm training up my children and the fact that because they're African-American, we do extra. It's like, you know, you're going to have to like, you know, you got to go above and beyond just to be able to stay at the table, you know? And uh, so, so that was another huge thing that it's like, why does boy act like he don't know? But of course he didn't have anyone kind of train them up. So, um, but yet, you know, Tyrone, he has this like grace that God's given him that I'm like, I don't know how you deal with some of these kids. I don't even know how you do it. And he came in and just the humility that he had to say, I'm sorry, to say, thank you, to say, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be in this position to do what I'm about to do. And girl, I tell you, I just grabbed that boy and I was just crying. And I said, you make it all worth it, you know, because sometimes you're out here serving and giving and you're sacrificing your own family. You know, there's times when we could have been doing things with our family that we're sacrificing for others. And sometimes you feel like, do y'all even care? Charles used to go to juvenile center in different places. And I was hugely pregnant. And it'd be like, you're going to the juvenile center, you know? Yeah. That's the fact that you guys did it when your kids were young. You yeah. Know? And it's just like that. Actually, Tyrone, you might remind me of Daniel in the Bible. That's the name that comes to my mind right now. It's Daniel and the lion's den, you know? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so you come out not even, you know, not even chewed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So talk, uh, what's your favorite story, Tyrone, in this? And how can people get a hold of your foundation to be involved either as a volunteer or actually they may know some families that need to be a part of this ministry as well, too? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll roll mine into what happened uh, in about a four-day span of uh, last week. Mm. Um, we went to see one of our kids. Um, we married them last year. And that's the thing. We've actually married kids and we've buried kids. You know, we're family with, uh, with the kids and they grow up. Some of them come back and volunteer and work in the organization. So we had one kid and uh, I married him last year. And uh, 19. Yeah. And um, yeah, a couple years ago. And um, I asked him during the marriage counseling because you have to go through these questions. And one is, you know, about family of origin and, and describe your relationship with your father. And he says, Mr. Burrell, you know, my daddy ain't there for me. You're like more my daddy, you know? And uh, so we went to visit him. They had the ba a baby and we gave them, um, you know, little outfits. And so it was so nice, but just nice connecting. And he's working at Quicken Loans, him and his wife, they make more than we do, you know? And so it's just great to see you know, the kids prosper. So that was nice. Then of course we go see Troy. He's my, our own son, but he's one of our sons too, kids. The following day I'm on face on messenger and I see one of our kids, uh, another young man, and he's writing how much he loves his wife and his children. And it's just nice. And I just type in amen. Mm. I get a message from him. Mr. Burrell, thank you for being there for us, showing us as young men what it was like to be a father, to be a husband, and you were just inspirational to me, and I owe you for that. And uh, um, the next day, I come to work here 
in the Dell Hut parking lot. And here's a kid. And these are white kids, black kids. So white kid, he, he's in a car and he seems to be pulled up in the son's van. He <clears> stops. <throat> I get out. He says, Mr. Burrell, Mr. Burrell, I, I knew that was you. Mr. Burrell, can you pray for me? I'm just going through something. So we pray for him right there. And that's, that's cool. Later that evening, uh, again, on Facebook, I guess I see some of my kids on Facebook. Um, I say something to uh, another one of our boys who's now, you know, in his 30s. And uh, he, I think he has a picture of his kid. And uh, um, he messes me something and I say, yes, yes. And he says, Mr. Burrell, we didn't, I didn't know how important you were back in the day, us growing up. And so, and, and I just, just appreciate you being an example. And now he's into music. So he wants to come back and do a little music something for us. So I'll be actually talking to him a little later today. And um, then I talked to another one of our kids. He calls me up. He's now the CEO mm. of the YMCA of Port Huron, Josh Chapman. Oh, yes. And uh, he was one of our boys in, um, in our basketball league. Back in the day. And uh, so it's just like, you know, over that space of four days, you know, all these kids. And it's something because, you know what, they don't know what they're receiving. And we don't even really know what we're giving in, in some sense and what the meaning that it's going to have for their lives, you know, when they really get into their lives. And uh, so that's just uh, something that, um, you know, we're just so happy about. Sometimes you, you read off all those awards. It's just about longevity. Just yeah. stick around. <laughs> stick around. Stick and, around. And you'll, you'll yeah. reap the fruit, the benefits. Wow. But, uh, but we've got kids in colleges and, and, um, and uh, all over, you know, raising families and whatnot. And uh, those are particular pride. You know, we, we do our end of year looking at everyone who's given from Sons. And there's one of our girls from, you know, 20 years ago. Um, she sends us like two, $300 every few months. I'm like, what? More often than that. More often than that. Second top donors. It's crazy. Yeah. And uh, just a younger. And I'm like, why? We had her come speak at uh, the last banquet we hold, we had. And she was like, well, Mr. Burrell had me in playing basketball when I was in high school. Then he had me coaching the little girls. Then he had me working at the Sun Center during the summer and tutoring and running errands. He had me doing everything. He pulled me out of my comfort zone and he didn't know that that Sun Center was my safe place. Wow. And, uh, you know, so yeah, we just Phenomenal. love our kids. It's so great when you be able to see it. That's that's the fruits of uh, the yeah. greatness about the labor. And yeah, it's the fruits of your labor, but Facebook, like being able to find people. I'm glad you said that Tyrone, cause I'll find some graduates of mine. I just reconnected with one from 2013 
And I didn't know her full story. And now I have her speaking to all the Paul Mitchell schools online next Wednesday. And I'm like, I can't believe I didn't know your story. And, yeah. and so, but being able to connect with graduates and that maybe aren't telling me, you know, I'm like, I need to know your stories. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me your story. So how can people get a hold of you? And thank you so much, both of you for being on today. This was just epic. I love it. And and uh, how can people get a hold of you? And then one last piece of advice that you both can give on to be disciplined as well, too. So Tyrone. Okay, well, you can reach us uh, by mail, uh, post office box 610385, Port Huron, Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, 48061-0385. You can hit us up at our website or Facebook, sonsoutreach.org. To volunteer, you can call us. Let me go first. I will say, you know, you said something earlier about being excited to get up in the morning. Mm. And I shared with uh, Bobby Jones, one of our staff in the office. I said, Bobby, I am so excited to get up in the morning, to come to work. And somebody once said, if you love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life, right? So I'm so excited. And then I'm excited to go home and be in my home with my wife. And then I'm excited to go to sleep. Because I know usually the Lord gets me up at four o'clock, or maybe that's just my weak bladder, but I do spend some <laughs> I do spend time with him reading and whatnot. And so life is just uh exciting and um um, you know, uh, there's a scripture that says, remember now thy creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come upon you. Now getting a little bit older. So a few more aches and pains. Mm -hmm. And so now you, you know, you don't know what's promised. Yes. Tomorrow's not promised. So we have to make the most of the days that we have. We see when our loved ones pass on, when that happens, their story is ended. Anything they might have desired or wanted to do, it's now just a thought. So discipline, because you know what? We're stewards, it's not promised. Let's do what we can do today. And if we do everything as a habit, you know, that's where you get the the high interest return on those little things you do. The little things you do right pay the biggest dividends. And um, so that's my encouragement in having that, uh, that discipline because now we actually see the results and we know this is what you do. You plant corn, you get corn. You do the little things, the little things. It's the little things that'll mess you up. You know, that little extra piece of pie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the little things, the little things, you know, doing those extra push-ups, reading that extra chapter in the book, a few pages, um, taking that extra time to, to, to pray before the Lord, going that extra kindness to someone who might not be nice to you. You know, those are the little things that God sees and, uh, and that we will uh, give an account of. So... That's my advice. So powerful. I love it. Make the most of your days. I love it. Yes. Uh, Laura, last piece of advice. Yeah, I think that um, 
one of my favorite scriptures that, um, you know, that I reflect on a lot is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it talks about trusting in the Lord with all of your heart, leaning not to your own understanding, but in all our ways, if we acknowledge him, he will direct our path, you know. And so I've, I've, I've tried to ingrain that in my children as well, as they're all often different places of, of uh, the U.S. And, um, and, it, and it holds true for me, you know, that as I'm trusting in him with all my heart and, and trying not to lean to my own understanding. So like you say, when we go through these times of, say, a Black Lives Matter society that, you know, I mean, sure, there's like, I have so many stories that I can share about being raised in, in the area of Oak Park and being locked up in a lunchroom where, you know, we looked like we were animals and they locked up all the, the black kids and because it was rioting and different things, you know. Um, but if I'm trusting Lord to all my heart and lean not to my own understanding, because if I lean to that understanding, girl, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to, you know, take up arms and I can feel the pain of it. But, you know, God's able to just kind of cover us in these areas of offenses if we allow him. So I'm trusting my heart, leaning to all understanding. But if I'm trying to acknowledge him in all my ways, and I really try to do that, you know, there are some times when it's like, I don't understand this. You know, sometimes I feel like, seem like the sun's building should have been up. And I've asked him sometimes, is it because we're black that it's taking so long? You know, just between us, you know, I just, you know, I felt that like dad, it, you know, cause I've seen others come along and get things so quick. And it's like, and we've been here almost 30 years, you know, but you know, not leaning to us that I'm just acknowledge him so he can direct my path. And when he directs my path, you know, there's this thing where you don't take up offense. He directs my path. So it's like, you know, you like how Charles saying you just love, you know, because he is, he's going to, as we trust God, you know, and we seek first his care, right? All other things will be added. So he'll just say, no one can do anything to you. I've got this. You better keep your eyes on me. Otherwise you'll get tripped up. So we just continue to love, you know, we continue to just say, okay, dad, because father knows best. Okay, you got it. And so we just got to love and just leave it be. And he has, and he's just been, he's just been bringing things to pass. And girl, the day that we have a shovel in the ground or a ribbon cutting, because I asked him, will it happen in my lifetime? Will you allow me to see it happen? You know, um, that then that's going to be a joyous time, you know. So I think that the element of discipline is just being able to stay close to his word, hiding his word in our hearts so that we don't fall, you know, find ourselves sinning against him, you know, because he tells us to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. You know, so amen. You know, so that's the thing. And uh, so this has just been a pleasure to be here with you today, Miss Tina. This was awesome. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.